Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I am your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by Richard Flint. He is a keynote speaker and seminar leader, reaching over 200,000 people per year in sales, business, and leadership. Richard, thank you for joining me. Hey, Curtis, thank you very much. Thanks for letting me be a part of your uh, podcast. I am I am honored to share this time with you. Well, let's start off by explaining who you are, telling everybody about your life and anything else you might want people to know about yourself. Well, Curtis, I've been on the uh, international lecture series for about 30 years. Doesn't seem that long. Seems like I started yesterday. But I do an average of about 100 to 120 programs a year uh, all over the world up until the point that this little uninvited guest called coronavirus hit us, which I think has interrupted most of our lives. A little bit about my background. Um, I have been a university professor, and then I served on the the staff of a very, very, very large church in South Florida and ran the counseling division for the church. I've written 19 books with two more to come out. I have uh, my own podcast called Let's Talk Human Behavior. And then uh, we do uh, a free webinar every, uh, every month, Curtis. And our next one's coming up on October 1st at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, I've been doing a three-month series on motivation and depression. Uh, I think the opposite, Curtis, I think the opposite of motivation is depression. And what I'm seeing is I'm talking to people today uh, depression is, has increased. And there's two types of depression. There is clinical, which probably only represents about 5% of people. And the rest of it is personal. And you don't need a lot of pills to handle personal depression. You just need to get your life back in sync with who you are. And then every Friday morning at uh, 10 a.m., I do an open mic with people. And we have a Zoom class where we put a question out in front of people. And for an hour, we just open the mics and we just talk. Our question this coming Friday is, what would you like the future of our company to look like? And I think it's a very, very important question with everything that's in front of us. Curtis, if there's one thing about me, I'm doing exactly what God had put me, has put me on this earth to do. And my mission with every person I talk to or I'm part of, I want them to be better. I want them to be smarter and I want them to be stronger in their life. And that's a lot, but a little bit about me. Well, what is the motivational factors that drives you to do what you do? Well, I want, I want three things for my life. And when I started this, uh, this is not a crusade for me or a mission. This is a ministry for me. And What really pushes me, Curtis, is if God's given me one gift in life, it's the ability to take what looks confusing to people and show them the pathway to clarity. Um, I take on six people a year, and I am their, not their coach, but I am their mentor for a year. 
and we take their life and we unscramble it. We put the puzzle back together with purpose, with an agenda they can achieve, and with a commitment that says not only that I can, but I will do it. And that drives my life every day because I, I think that with the gifts God has given me, I make a difference in people's lives where in the secular world, where a lot of people maybe cannot. What makes your coaching program unique from any other coaching program that's out there currently? Well, most, what I, I know about most coaches is that when they get involved in a human life, they generally just operate in one room of that life. And most of the time, it's the business room. But I believe that you and I, we live in four rooms. Our business room, which is our number one room of mental stress. And I'm seeing a lot of that today, Curtis. I'm just seeing people mentally just overwhelmed because of the unknown they're standing in. You have a family room, which is your number one room of emotional stress. And one of the things we're watching with great interest today is that a lot of families and a lot of couples are spending more time together than they've ever spent together in a consecutive basis. And this is creating a lot of stress because most of the times people are not designed uh, for consistent living together. Uh, they are designed for moments. And this new abnormal is playing havoc with that. Uh, I believe you have a social room which is your room where you go to let your hair down or take your hair off. It's the room where you go to have fun and relax. And most people today don't know how to relax. They don't know how to have fun. And then you have your personal room. And Curtis, this is the most important room in people's lives. This is the room where you go to be by yourself. If anyone goes with you, it's not a personal room. It is a social room. And if you, if you told me, Richard, list the rooms in order of importance. Number one is your personal room, because in your personal room, that's where all your dreams are born. Uh, you act them out or live them out in the other rooms of your life. Second room is your family room, because if you don't have that emotional support, and if there's not that connection that says we're in this together, then there's going to be a lot of disconnect, a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment, a lot of confusion. And then your business room, and then your social room. And so what I do when I'm working with a human life, Curtis, is I take their life apart. The first meeting I have with them, I do, um, I, I do a history on their life. And it allows me to understand who they are, where they are, and what their real struggles are. And I work with people for a year. Uh, it's a year contract that I have with people. And I have people, I have one couple that's been with me for nine years now. Uh, because every time we get to one point, there is another new challenge in their life. And people say, well, why a year? Because it takes me basically four months to get a person to the point where they'll take their defenses down. They trust me enough to do that. And trust is such a huge issue. And then we've got to reframe their life. And then we got to put it back together with a, a redefined purpose. And that takes me a year to be able to do that with people. If we finish ahead of time, I'm fine. I'm willing to walk away. But normally it takes me a year to get people back in sync with their self. And that's what's missing in people's lives. They're not in sync with their self. And when you and I are not in sync with ourself, what we do is we live our life from the outside in where we give everybody else permission to define us 
Rather, when we have that foundation of belief, trust, and faith in ourselves, we live from the inside out where I have the strength to be the authentic me. What are some of the top emotional issues that you see people struggle with on a daily basis? Well, right now, probably the top ones that I'm seeing because in the last three to five months, they have sort of reinvented themselves. Number one is financial right now. I mean, people's lives financially have just been torn upside down. And you and I know this, a lot of people live uh, beyond their means. And then all of a sudden, when you affect their life financially, like this virus is doing to the lives of people today, uh, they don't know how to adapt financially. And so that puts a tremendous amount of stress on them. Uh, The second one that I'm seeing today, Curtis, and it's almost as big as the financial, is the way that people's hope is being affected today. You know, I'm a believer that hope is one of the most important components of motivation. And that if you don't have hope, you don't have anything to hang on to. Because, you know, hope feeds our desire. Hope feeds our determination. Hope feeds our discipline. And when you have hope, you also have resilience. And if you take my hope away, what happens when life comes in uh, and takes over control of my life or I find myself in the unknown where a lot of people are today or I'm living in an uncontrollable environment, which again, many people are living in today, it affects my hope. And the human spirit needs hope. If it doesn't have hope, then it's going to find itself working against itself. And by that, what I mean is that it loses its positive spirit. And when one becomes negative, then what happens is hope diminishes. And Curtis, one of the things that concerns me today is I think that there's a big part of our world, like the media, that is really working today to take people's hope away from them. It's almost like the purpose of the media today is to frighten people, is to put fear into people. And there's nothing that nibbles at hope as much as what fear does. And when fear gets inside of a human life, it causes it to look down, not up. And it causes us to go from the outside in, not the inside out. And I, I see hope as one, one of those things that's diminishing today. And the third thing that I see right now, people, is that they really are losing their positive spirit. It's hard to go anywhere today and find something that is positive. Because no matter where you look, there's turmoil in this country. I mean, we've got uh, the virus creating a tremendous amount of turmoil. We've got the... Uh, the, the riots, we've got the, you know, the, the, just the turmoil that's being created by the masses. And then we've got a presidential election coming up that's creating turmoil. And it, it's hard today to find some place where you can find that positive spirit. I ask people every day, where would you go right now to find stability in your life? Where could you go in your life where you would feel stable? And Curtis, it's hard right now uh, for people to find places where they can feel they can feel stable. 
It absolutely is. Let's talk about some of the many philosophies that you have that you have written. Well, I'm known for my philosophies, Curtis. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a rarity. I sleep very little. I sleep basically three and a half, four hours a night. I get up every morning. One of the first things I do is I uh, write a philosophy that governs my life for one day. And some of the biggest ones I've written, probably maybe the top five that I'm known around the world for. Uh, number one, behavior never lies. The essence of truth, Curtis, is not what one person says. It's what they do. And so much of the confusion between people is the confusion that's created between what they say and what they do. I mean, and if there's a contradiction between word and behavior, we know what happens. It affects my belief in that person. It affects my trust in that person. And there is, contradiction is rampant in our country today. And, you know, I ask all the time, right now in this country, who can you believe? Who can you really believe that they're telling us the truth? Because I think we're being lied to on several, several, several different fronts. So behavior never lies. And probably the second most powerful philosophy I've ever written is the most positive thing that can be said about you is that you have a presence that is present when you're not present. That's powerful. Curtis, in your life, have you had uh, a person who's come through your life, maybe uh, no longer there, maybe they're still there, who's had a tremendous positive effect upon your life? Yes, I've had several people throughout my life. Some are still here and some are not. But... Give me the name of one. Okay, I would say my teacher of the visually impaired, uh, Karen Williams, she had a tremendous effect on my life and showing me that I could do things and j just helping me out and being a mentor to me when I was young. Is she still in your life? Yeah, we, we text back and forth every now and then. She will text me to wish me a happy Father's Day. But uh -huh. she's, not, she's not in my life like she was when I was going to school. But in your life, are there times whenever she still talks to you in your head? Yep, all the time. That's presence, isn't it? And she has a presence that is present, even though she's not present in your life. Absolutely. That's, Curtis, that's the greatest compliment any life can be paid. That's the height. That is the height of respect for another person. I mean, because so much of who you and I are, are the people who have paused in our life and taken the time to have a positive impact impact upon our life. You know, I've got four men that were in my life. When I was 16 years of age, my adopted parents gave me a suitcase and told me it was nice knowing me. And I've, I've been physically on my own since I was 16. My adopted mother used to tell me every day of my life, you're the stupidest kid I've ever met. You'll never amount to anything in life. And then the one that would just rip my heart out, I'm sorry we ever adopted you. And my greatest day will be the day when I get up and you're no longer in this house. And I'm going to tell you something that had such an effect upon my life. And it took me years to overcome that because we are the substance of the people who we allow to form the foundation of our life. 
And God put four men in my life and, and when I needed them the most. And these men took me and they, they helped me to not erase because you can't ever erase yesterday. But they helped me to rise above what my mother had taught me. And it's taken me years, Curtis. But if you or your listeners could get to know me, I am probably the most self-confident person they'll ever meet in their life. I throw parties, Curtis, and I'm the one, only one I ever invite. And, and, and my mission, I want to have that presence. I want to have that presence in the lives of people that because of whom I am, the talents that God has given me, and the commitment I have every day to bring value to people, I want to create that presence. And then probably the third most powerful philosophy I've ever written is anything you don't confront, you validate. Anything in life you and I do not confront, we validate. And I'm amazed at how many people are fearful of confrontation because they, they take confrontation and they associate it with criticism. Curtis, it's not. Criticism and confrontation are two different emotional avenues. Criticism is there for me to pull you and rip you down. Confrontation is there for you and I to learn to resolve the issues that are in our life. And here's a gift to anyone that's listening, is that if you want to overcome the fear of confrontation, practice three C's. That's all you got to do. And the conversation begins with two C's and then it moves to the third one. And listen to the pronouns. Curtis, I have a concern you and I need to address. Now, it's not you, it's me. It's not your concern, it's my concern. And, and, and when, I, when I come up with that concern, I'm, I'm opening your ears to something that is a part of that. And, and from the concern then, we, we move to the concept uh, of being able to care enough to talk about it. And then, the, the, you know, I, I care enough about you, Curtis. I'd like for us to talk about this. And then the third C, the pronoun changes. Curtis, what can you and I do to correct this? I'm not coming down on a person. I'm asking for their help. And if they don't want my help, then I have no place in their life. I go back to the ministry of Jesus whenever he would go into a village or a town and the people didn't want to listen. What would he do? He would dust the sand off his sandals and he would walk on. I can't have a positive presence in a life that doesn't want to improve their life. And I've tried, I've tried years ago, I tried to convince people of what they needed to do. And I can't do that. That just wears me down. But I've learned if I don't something, I validate it. And if I validate it because I didn't confront it, it's no longer your issue because what have I done? I've given you permission to continue that. And so when I get, when I reach enough and I come to you and I tell you, Curtis, I'm just tired of this. You don't understand what I'm talking about because I've given you permission to be that way. So anything you don't confront, you validate. And then probably my fourth that I really love, never keep anyone in your life who's not part of your fan club. 
I don't need negative people in my life. And if you're not here to support me and to challenge me with positive and to help me, I don't need you in my life because what happens if I keep, I keep you, you pull me down and you cause me not to be able to stand up and rise up and be the person that, that I really, really, really need to be. And then the fifth one, you are exactly in your life where you want to be. And Curtis, I'm going to tell you, people fight me on this one all the time to the fact that, you know, I don't want to be here. Well, if you don't want to be here, why are you still there? Your life is your choice. It's your design. You get to do with your life what you want to do. And you are exactly in your life where you want to be. And you can rise above the yesterday of your life. And I'm living proof of that because it took me time to rise above those three things my mother said at me every day from the age of six to the age of 16. But I am today where I am because I won't let people dump their negative garbage on me. And those are my top five, Curtis. What are the four questions that one would need to ask in their life to get in sync? Ah, great question, Curtis. And they come in this order. What do you really want for your life? Not what do you want, but what do you really, and that word really is the critical word. What do you really want for your life? And that takes a lot of thought. There are a lot of people that every day don't live because they exist. And why are they existing? Because they're not in life where they really want to be. And they talk about getting there. They talk about, you know, what they would do if they could do it. But what do you really want for your life? And the thing that keeps most people, Curtis, from being able to step into the unknown and turn it into adventure is because their life is blocked by fear. Now, I want your listeners to listen to this. From the day you're born to the day you die, okay, you're going to live with six fears. And there's no, no one order to them. But there's the fear of the unknown. And that is playing havoc with so many people's lives today. There's the fear of abandonment. You know, if I, do what I, if I do what I know I need to do, I'm going to be left alone and I can't be by myself. I used to do a lot of marriage counseling on the church staff. And I used to watch people and I'd ask people, why do you stay in this relationship? Because he loves me. Well, how do you know he loves you? Well, when he sobers up, he tells me he's sorry. But does he do it again? Yeah then why do you stay? Why do you torture yourself? And this is the answer I'd hear most of the time. Because having him or having her in my life is better than having no one in my life. That fear of abandonment, Curtis, is just so huge. There's the, the fear of failure. And a lot of people struggle with this. And it's because of over the years what we have taught people about failure. You know, I doubt if anyone's ever taught your listeners this, but 
In life, all emotions travel in threes. Not twos, not ones, but threes. So in teaching, what do we do? We teach success and failure. So if I'm not successful, I must be a failure. But Curtis, there's a third emotion that's tied with this. It's about success, failure, and defeat. And defeat is when life knocks you down and you choose. It's your choice. You choose not to get up. And to stay there, I have excuses. I have justifications. I have reasons. I have blame. But all, all failure is is an option that didn't work. I've written uh, four volumes of dictionaries, and I define the word failure as fertilizer because the purpose of fertilizer is to create growth. And every time you and I get knocked down in our life, there is the opportunity to stand back up. There's the fear of rejection. People aren't going to like me. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I have. You ever been around someone, Curtis, who always talked about that people never liked them, but the only issue was they didn't like their self? You ever seen that person? Yep, I sure have. And if you don't love yourself, you can't expect anybody else to. Yeah, because people treat us like we ask to be treated. And if you don't respect yourself, you teach other people not to respect you. If you don't love you, you teach other people not to love you. Then there's the fear of loss. And this is huge in human behavior. Because of the fact with everything you and I want to do with our life, there's a price tag. And you and I can only go as far as that price tag we're willing to pay. And that price tag, Curtis, can be mental. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. It can be financial. It can be physical. But with everything we want to do with our life, there is a price tag to it. And when you're not willing to pay the price, then you're trapped in what I call the circle of sameness, where every day, Every single day you get up and you walk the same path that you walked yesterday while you're talking about everything you want to do with your life. But when it comes to paying the price, you're not willing to do it. And if you're not willing to pay the price, you can't move forward in your life. And then, Curtis, the last of the fears that I see is the fear of success. This is the number one with a lot of young people today because too many parents do too much for their children. I mean, they give them everything. They provide them with everything. And, and I can remember being on the church staff, and we had some very, very wealthy people in our church. And I can remember this one young boy that always getting himself in trouble, and they'd arrest him. And the, the county jail or sheriff would call me and say, would you go talk to him? And I'd go over and I'd get the same story from him every single time. Richard, don't worry about me because my dad will take care of all of this. And one of the things that's happening today is that our society is so busy being busy being busy that we don't have a lot of strong families left. I mean, one of the, one of the things that's happened is the financial stretching that people go through where you got to have both parents working and, and Who's raising the children today? They're being raised by video games. 
they're being raised by TV. And a lot of parents, a lot of parents have told me it's the responsibility of the school to raise my children. It, it, it was interesting because every summer I do uh, a big conference, Curtis, and I invite 200 people to come spend a weekend with me. A few years ago, my topic was on family matters. And I took, I took a group of 25 couples that I thought had exceptional families. And I asked them, out of a possible 21 meals together that you could eat during a week as a family, how many meals do you eat together as a family? What do you think the answer was? It probably was not very many. And if it was, it wasn't during the week. It might be on the weekend or something like that. Yeah, the average was two. When you were growing up, did y'all eat meals as a family? Yep, we did it a lot. And what happened if you were late for a meal? Uh, We we would get in trouble, but a lot of times (laughs) it was just the kids eating um, together. Uh, Not necessarily my mom and them, but every now and then we would. And what was the value of when your parents and your siblings all sat down for a meal? Was that fun? Yeah, it was fun, and it... It symbolized it. It symbolized togetherness, and that's part of what's missing today. Curtis is just that that togetherness, and young people today don't understand success. They think that success is owed them, and, and it's not. Success is you every day putting one foot in front of the other, every day taking this thing called life and using it to improve who you are. So that's a long ways to answer your, your first question, my four questions. Question number one, why, what do you really want for your life? And then question number two, why do you want it? Why do you really want this for your life? There are a lot of people that get up every day and they go to a job. And Curtis, I define a job as an environment that a human goes to every day where they prostitute themselves for a paycheck. What do you really want for your life? What is it that you think you were put on this earth to achieve? And why do you want this? What's the driving force? What's the desire that's there? Why are you determined? And then question number three, what price are you willing to pay to have it? You know, I would venture to say that in Curtis's life, that in some ways he's had, he's had to pay some major price tags to get where he is today, correct? That is absolutely correct. Probably more prices than you would ever know. Yeah. And are you proud of yourself for doing it? Yes, I definitely am, especially when the decisions turn out good for me and I'm able to take care of my, my family and provide. Yeah. And that that makes you feel good on the inside, does it not? Absolutely. Yeah. And then the fourth question, which to me is the pivotal question. What behaviors will I have to improve in order to, in order to achieve what I really want for my life? A lot of people don't seem to understand, but we're not blocked by opportunities. There are opportunities all around us. We're blocked by behavior because what you and I will achieve in our life is about the behavior that we bring to it. 
Is our behavior designed to help us grow and to improve? Or is our behavior designed to cause us to be trapped in the circle of sameness? So what do you really want? Why do you really want it? What price are you willing to pay to have it? And what behaviors will you have to improve in order to get where you really want in your life? What do you want for the people's lives that you have touched? What do you want for them? Well, Curtis, I want them to be better. And and do you know what better means? Better means I've stepped beyond my yesterday with lessons that I've implemented. Yesterday is a reference library. It's not a room to live in. It's a reference library. And in that yesterday, there are many different file cabinets. There are file cabinets that are filled with doubt. There are file cabinets that are filled with worry. There are file cabinets that are filled with uncertainty about our life. But there's also file cabinets that are filled with the beliefs that we have. File cabinets built with where I've learned to trust myself and file cabinets filled with the faith that I need to step out. In life, Curtis, and I've learned this in working with human behavior, and if any of your listeners can take this beyond what I'm about to say, please, please, please share it with me, and I'm real easy, richard at richardflint.com, richard at richardflint, F-L-I-N-T dot com. But I have found in life there are only two foundations that a human can choose to stand on. And your life is a choice. And whatever your life becomes will be dependent on which of the two foundations you stand on. There's the foundation of belief, trust, and faith. And that's the foundation of where our real strength comes from because that's that's an inside-out foundation where you learn to believe in you. And the stronger your belief, the greater your trust in yourself. And when belief and trust come together, they create that faith. And we know from the scriptures that faith is the ability to step when you're not real sure where the next step is coming from. And when you put belief, trust, and faith together, the outer demonstration of that is confidence. And you can tell when someone's confident. You can tell in their life when they have that belief, that trust, their faith in their self, because their confidence is a demonstration that's seen through their behavior. But Curtis, there's a second foundation. And that foundation is built on doubt, worry, and uncertainty. Doubt is one of the most powerful enemies that you and I deal with. Because doubt makes us question our life with negative questions. And you can always tell someone who's living in doubt because they play a lot of the what-if game. And when you don't, when you doubt yourself, you weaken your belief. And when you doubt yourself, you live your life with skepticism. You don't believe, you don't trust, you don't have faith. And every time that I doubt, 
I'm weakening myself from the inside. And when I see people that are doubtful people, they're living from the outside in. They're depending on other people to give them direction for their life. And what they do is they lose their authenticity and they become sheep. And every day, what do they do? They follow other people who know how to manipulate the fact that they don't have that belief, trust, and faith in their self because they live with doubt. Now, here's the interesting thing. You can't live with doubt without having worry. Worry is always a sidekick to doubt. And they support each other. When I doubt, I worry. That, that plays with the decisions I'm going to make. When I worry, I doubt more. And then when worry, when doubt and worry come together, the third component to that foundation is uncertainty. And when you and I are uncertain, we are paralyzed. We're paralyzed. I want people to be better, but to be better, they've got to build on that foundation of belief, trust, and faith. I want people to be smarter. You know, a lot of people take me to task for this statement, but I think every positive has a negative. And I think that God wants us to be wise. He's given us the capability to have wisdom. And the opposite of wisdom is stupidity. And all stupidity is, is knowing what I know I need to do and choosing not to do it. That's all stupidity is. It's going against what will allow my life to be better and to be smarter. And then I want people to be stronger. And for people... For people to be stronger, they got to feed three D's in their life, Curtis. Their desire. And what is desire? It is the hunger to continue to want to find the more for my life. They got to feed their determination. What is determination? Determination is that inner part of you that has the ability to see beyond the emotional jungle and have that that inner foundation of strength that continues to challenge you. And then when you put desire and determination together, the glue that brings strength to these two is discipline. You've got to be disciplined. And what discipline is, is living with the idea, you can knock me down, but you can't keep me down. Discipline is resilience, which to me, beyond the word love, is probably, for me, the second most beautiful word in the English language. Because life is going to attack us. We're going to be tested, and tests are good. And to pass that test, I've got to have the discipline to do the things that I know are right for my life. You know what? Only person that can mess my life up is me. And here's the interesting thing. I know when I'm going against myself. I know when I'm doing what I shouldn't be doing. But for some reason, that old nature within me, that old Richard, wants me to stay stuck 
insaneness, where the new Richard says, come on, let's go. There's more we can achieve with our life. And I just want to continue to achieve. And yes, I am a very, I'm a person driven by desire. I want that more for my life. And for me, I know what it looks like. And I am determined that if I bring the right behaviors to my life and I balance those with discipline, I can achieve what it is I want to achieve with my life. Talk about your different view of goal setting. <laughs> uh, this one gets me in trouble, Curtis, all the time. I, I don't believe in the way that we teach goal setting. Someone comes and said, Curtis, you need goals. And you think, okay, I got to have goals. So you sit there and you write your goals out and that's fun. But then you get them written out and you think, what am, what am I supposed to do now? Most of what people call goals, Curtis, are hallucinations. They're hallucinations because they write them, but they don't know what to do with them. And this is why probably within somewhere between 45 to 60 days after people write goals, they've already started talking themselves out of them or they've already started giving up on them. So my concept of goals is different. And here's my process. I start with where I am. Let, let's, let's say we're gonna, we're, I'm going to create my year. January 2nd, I sit down and I say, okay, Richard, here's where you are right now. And I'm honest with that. I take an honest look at my life. And then I say, Richard, on December 31st, 2021, where do you want to be? What do you want this year to be to your life? Now, I've got where I, want, where I am. I've got where I want to end up. So how do I connect them? And I connect them with this. <coughs> Richard, what behaviors are you going to have to bring to your life in order to achieve what it is that you want? Now, I use that as an expanded version. But here's the other challenge with goals. You can't write them for a year. You got to write your goals basically for three months. And here I am. Here's where I want to be in three months. Now, what behaviors do I need to bring to my life to get me where I want to be? Now, Whatever I write cannot be set in stone because I've got to be flexible because the most consistent thing about life is change. I mean, Curtis, when January 1 this year was there, I looked at my speaking schedule and man, my, my calendar was booked for the entire year of 2020. And then this little virus came along. And when this virus came along, it brought an eraser with it. And what it did is it took that schedule and it erased it. Now I'm sitting there and I'm looking at a schedule that was completely packed and it's no longer packed. So I had a choice. I can go over and sit in the corner and blame the virus, have reasons why this is going to be a terrible year, or I can say, okay, Richard, here's what you wanted. 
but that is no longer reality. So what behaviors, what do you need to do? What actions do you need to bring to your life right now in order to pick you up, create that inner spirit, that inner drive, that inner motivation? What do you need to do to open up the creativeness of your mind? Because if I get real emotional and I'm looking at things through my emotions, I'm going to shut my mind down. And when I shut my mind down, I lose my creativity. So what do I need to do to be creative? So what I did, Curtis, is I picked up the phone. I went into my library of people that I've worked with. And I picked well over 100 people, business owners, leaders, managers. And I talked with each one of them and I asked them, with this new abnormal we're going through, what are your challenges? Where are you being affected right now? And from that conversation, and man, these people were honest with me. I sat down and I wrote six new seminars that I could do virtually. Because I knew that getting on an airplane and flying somewhere and having an audience was not going to be what is right now. So there's got to be other avenues. So what I've done is I've created these virtual seminars. Like uh, this morning, I've already done two virtual presentations for two different conventions. I Early this morning, I opened one convention. I did their opening address. And they had about 200 people in attendance virtually. And then at 11 o'clock this morning, I did another virtual presentation, and they had 500 people virtually in their audience. So what I've done is I've taken the reality is what is, trusted in myself because I believe in me, and I have the faith that there is a pathway out there where I can continue to bring value to people. So what I've done is I've created this world of virtual seminars right now. And I'm, I'm getting requests almost every day to do virtual programs for different groups and for different companies and for, for di different organizations. Because I am strong enough to realize there's never just one pathway to get to where you want to go. And so my whole world was redesigned. And here's one of the fallacies, Curtis. Because most people live in routines, they don't have the strength to adapt when they need to adapt. Because they don't want to deal with change. The first thing that change does is takes you out of a comfortable routine. So, I, and I've had people tell me this in the last few months. I, I know things are going to come back, but I tell them, they're not going to come back looking like what you thought they were going to look like. Your yesterday, as you've known it, is over. It's ended. And you've got to be preparing yourself for this new frontier that's in front of you. You've got to adapt. And every time we adapt, then what we have to do? We've got to make adjustments. Adjustments are more frightening than adapting. Why? Because it means I have got to change my behavior to make the adjustments. And then what do I have to do? I have to align myself. Is this new plan that I have, how do I align that with people who will see the value of my presence? And 
in being able to practice those three A's. Let me tell you something. I've been able to continue to make a difference in the lives of people. And I don't believe in writing goals. I, be, I believe in making sketches for your life. Give a brief overview of the books that you've written and talk about the new one that's coming out. Ooh. Um, well, let me just highlight uh, just a few of my books because I've written 19. Um, the biggest selling book I've ever written, Curtis, is entitled The Truth About Stress. When I wrote this book, my biggest challenge was understanding stress. And when I did my research, I found 107 different definitions to the word stress, Curtis. And believe me, that was stressful. But yet, none of them said exactly what I wanted to say. So what I did is I wrote my own definition of stress. Stress is anything in life that makes you uptight. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. Just because you're uptight, it doesn't mean you can't manage and control the stress. Stress can be controlled if you don't let it overwhelm you. And if from your mind down, not your emotions up, you find what it is you need to do to control that stress. Uh, and in there, we give a step-by-step -step process for learning to control your stress. And then the number one book that I've written that is used by companies and corporations all over the world is Behavior Never Lies. Because, again, the essence of truth is not what someone says. It's what they do. And I listen to everything that people say to me. But, uh, Curtis, I study their behavior. And then third book, Breaking Free. And this is used in high schools today, and it's used with, with kids all over the world because it's my life story. It's what I had to go through to rise above. Because you see, Curtis, I was born in New Orleans, and the only thing I know about my natural mother, my real mother, is that she was a prostitute in New Orleans. And she didn't want me because I was a mistake. So I was given away. I was adopted when I was two months old. And that home that I was adopted into, I was adopted because my dad wanted a son. Um, my mother did not want me, and she told me that every day of her life in as many ways as she could. Do you know, I have three sisters. None of my sisters are real sisters, all adopted from different families. But do you know, when I was growing up, I never had a birthday cake. I never got a birthday present. At Christmas, I'd come down and I'd watch my sisters open Christmas presents, and there would be nothing there for me. Because my mother was telling me she did not love me nor want me. And then when I was 16, when I was 15, I was told that I had to get a job. So I got a job at a grocery store and every night my dad would come get me. And when I'd been 16 for two weeks, my dad drove up one night, stepped out of the car, brought me a suitcase and told me it'd been nice knowing me. And Curtis, since the age of 16, I have physically been on my own. And this is why I have no patience with people who use their life as an excuse, who use the events of their life as the reason that they can't do anything. This is your life. You can do with it what you want, but you got to want it. But most people, they live by their excuses and their justifications. And then 
my book, I Need a Life. And this is, I wrote this book out of counseling experiences I've had with people. Because most people either last in frustrating existence or live in fulfilling environments. And, and this book is all about how to find life. How to find life. And then my, my newest book, and this one was fun because it sold out the first printing in 14 days, uh, is entitled Making Your Life Simply Simple. And everybody wants a simple life. But people don't understand how you get there. And the book is based on this thought. You can boil your life down to one question. People like come to me all the time and they want to talk to me about questions, the plural. And I'll tell them, you can, you can live your life and have the life you want if you just master one question. And that question is this. Before you say yes to anything in your life, before you say yes or no to it, ask yourself this one question. Will this decision feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? Will this decision feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? And you can handle any situation in life, Curtis, with that one question. And that book has become a very, very powerful, powerful book. And then the one I'm working on right now is entitled, So What's Your Excuse? Why is it so easy to live your life making excuses and blaming other people and justifying behavior because of everything that's gone wrong in your life? And I see this every day in life. Everybody has a reason why they can't, why they aren't why they, they can't do it. Put your life to the question. It's your life. And Curtis, a, a list of all of my books and everything are on my website, uh, richardflint.com. And I would really encourage people, go take a look at it. Go take a look at my website. Is there anything else that you would like to discuss that we haven't yet mentioned? Well, I'd like to offer your, your listeners a gift. Uh, and this is a gift from me to you that we'll put out to people who listen to your podcast. 12 years ago, I started a thing called the morning minute. And what it is, Curtis, is every morning when you get up and turn on your computer, I send you a 60-second, one-minute video email that contains one of my philosophies of life with a piece of wisdom to go with it. Every month is a different theme. Like this month, our theme is emotions. Every day is a different philosophy and a different message. And it's 365 days, one solid year. And what I'd like to offer the people that are listening to this, if you would go to my website, richardflint.com, there's a place you can do this. I'd like to give you the morning minute for the next 30 days of your life. Now, normally we charge people $99.95 for the entire year, but I'd like to give you with no strings attached, just my gift through Curtis to you 
for the next 30 days, I'd like to give you the morning minute free of charge. You just go to my website, richardflint.com, and you'll see the morning minute there, and you can sign up for the next 30 days. And if you, if you have a challenge finding it, email me, richard at richardflint.com, and I'll help you. I'll help you get signed up. And then I'd really like to invite you to join me this coming Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time uh, for my webinar on motivation versus depression. And this time we're going to talk about how do you control depression in your life and strengthen motivation. And it's at 10 a.m. Uh, Thursday morning. You have to register for it. So you'd go to my website and you could register there. And then if you really want to have some fun, join us on Friday morning, 10 a.m., for our Zoom classroom, <laughs> where we come together for an hour. And like I told you, our question for uh, this coming Friday is, what do you want the future of this country to look like? And I'll make a few comments, just like Curtis did here, and then I'll open the mics, and we just talk. And it's a chance for us to get to know each other. And I tell people, come as a student, but be ready to be a teacher. Be ready to share with us. And Curtis, I just really thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity uh, to share in the lives of your listeners. And again, if you have anything you want to ask me, richard at richardflint.com. Just know because of my schedule and the volume of emails I get, it might take me a couple of days to get back to you. But I answer every email personally. No one on my staff answers any of my emails. I answer every email personally. And if I can help you in any way, please email me. And please take me up on my offer for the morning minute for the next 30 days. It will make a difference in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, Richard Flint. Richard, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Curtis, thank you very, very much for allowing me to have this time with you and with your listeners. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.